You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. So uh, I'm going to start calling out names now. Time to sit down and not be friendly. Today we're going to continue in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, and we're coming to a really important passage, which shows us how to gauge our spiritual health, how to tell if you're spiritually healthy or spiritually sick. Before COVID, um, I went to see my doctor once a year for an annual physical, and it always went the same. He'd say, how you feeling? Any problems? And I'd say, I'm fine. And yet he always insisted that I take my clothes off. (laughs) He checked my weight, my blood pressure, listen to my lungs, listen to my heart, poke around, and then uh, order a blood test. I I just never understood why he couldn't take my word for it. And, uh, (laughs) but, He was checking my vital signs, just some things that showed him how my body was functioning and looking for the presence of disease. And I'd I'd like you to think of of this morning as a check of your spiritual vital signs, How, how to know how healthy or how ill you are spiritually and what we can do to become healthier disciples of Jesus. That makes sense? That's why I call this vital signs, because I, I really think that's what this passage is about. We're uh, in 1 Corinthians, which we've called the blessed mess. I think it's easy as Christians to idealize the first century and to think the Christians back there were better Christians than we are, and they didn't have to contend with the problems we have. And then you read 1 Corinthians and you learn that they're just as messed up as we are, which is kind of encouraging in a perverse way, isn't it? And, and the reason that they're so messed up is because this particular church is shaped more by the culture of the city of Corinth than they are by Christ. And so Paul is working through a list of problems he's heard about in the church. And the first big problem is division, that, that the the Christians have followed their non-Christian neighbors in this highly competitive uh, pursuit of personal recognition, especially who's the smartest guy in the world, smartest guy in the room competition. And so as Jeff taught last week, he, uh, in chapter two, Paul talks about the difference between worldly wisdom and spiritual or spirit-endued wisdom. And now in chapter 3, which we're going to look at, he, he wants to show the Corinthians that they're not as wise as they think they are, that they really have yet to understand the spirit-endued wisdom. So we're going to look at uh, two parts of this. Verses 1 through 4 is about what spiritual illness looks like. And verses 5 through 9, what spiritual health looks like. And I hope this will clarify clear away some of the confusion we have about what does it really mean to be spiritually healthy. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in here. 
Thank you, Father, that you've promised that the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. You know I've planned what I plan to say, but we want to hear from you. We pray you'll speak to our hearts through your word, that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. We need to hear from you today, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pick up chapter verse 1 through 4 and, and what spiritual illness actually looks like. Now remember, he's been talking to them about wisdom. Worldly wisdom, spiritual wisdom. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Paul says, think back when I first came to Corinth, and you were brand new Christians. You were infants in Christ. And, and even though you were Christians, you were so young. I just had, I had to give you milk. I had to keep things really simple. I couldn't, I couldn't give you any of the deeper truth of Scripture. Now, nothing wrong with being a baby Christian, right? Uh, we all, that's where we all start from. And, and if you're a new Christian and, and there's a lot of things that your friends seem to understand that you don't, don't worry, you'll catch up. It's fine. That's not a, no problem with that. Here's the problem. Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for you're still fleshly. How does Paul know they're spiritually ill? They haven't grown. They can't understand now any more than they could when they were brand new. There's nothing wrong with, with being young. I, if, if your toddler falls apart when his sister wants the book he used to make his garage for his car and, and just melts down, you don't worry about it because that's what toddlers do. But if he's still melting down at 20 years old, you know you've got a problem. And, and that's what's going on here. Paul says to the Corinthians, you're, you're still living the same way you lived before you became Christians. You're still fleshly. Now, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's talking about that part of us we brought into our Christian life from our non-Christian life. The Bible says that when Christ comes into your life, the old you dies. And a new you is born in union with Jesus. And so you're a brand new person inside, but you still live in the same old body. A body in which sin dwells. And the flesh is that part of you where sin is still trying to reign. And so from the day you become a Christian till the day you leave this body, there will be a battle going on between which influences you more, sin through your flesh or Jesus through his spirit in your new person. Does that make sense? And the problem with the, the Corinthians is they are still influenced more by sin in their flesh. They're fleshly. They're, they're dominated by the sin in their body than they are by the spirit. And so that's what spiritual illness is, is no growth. 
no development. You're still where you used to be. You're still thinking the way you used to think. You're still speaking the way you used to speak. You're still living the way you used to live before you even became a Christian. Even though you're a Christian, even though Christ is in your life, your life is still dominated by the sin in your flesh. Does that make sense? How does Paul know that about them? Well, look what he says. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? How does Paul know they're fleshly? How does he know they're spiritually ill? Because they're focused on people rather than on God. Paul was the first pastor there. And, and there's people at the Church of Corinth say, you know, I'm, I was one of the original members. That, I'm a charter member of the church here. And Paul is my pastor because and, and nobody's like Paul. Paul's an apostle. And, and, and somebody else says, well, that's too bad because I like Apollos. Apollos is the, the second pastor of the church here. And Paul puts me to sleep. <laughs> but Paul, nobody preaches like Apollos. And so there's these fan clubs there, right? And, and some, some people are fans of Paul, some of Apollos, some of Peter. Uh, and then the really spiritual people said, well, I'm Christ. I'm, I'm his. We've already saw that. So Paul says, the reason I know you're spiritually sick, the reason I know you haven't grown, that you've got your, your spiritual growth is stunted, is because you're still focused on people and trying to be better than each other and competing with each other. Now, we'll come back to that, but let's look what spiritual health looks like. Let's go, what are, if that's spiritual sickness, spiritual illness is no growth. No growth. That's spiritual sickness. So what does spiritual health look like? Look what Paul says. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Look at the difference between the Corinthians' perspective and Paul's perspective as an example of the difference between spiritual illness and spiritual health. What are the Corinthians focused on? They're focused on people. They, they a completely horizontal focused. That's all they can see is the people. What's Paul's focus on? It's on God. It's on, he's, he's focused on not who God works through, but the God who works through people, right? The summer between my uh, senior year in high school and, and freshman year in college, I, I worked in the orange groves of McFarland, California, and uh, I, was, I was responsible for irrigation. And uh, you, you just have to, you, it's so hot, you got to water these orange trees all the time. And so my whole job was um, I would pull hoses with rainbirds from one group of six trees down to the next, and then they would run for 24 hours, and then I'd pick a pull. And so there's a huge field, so I'm just going row by row by row, pulling hoses, real exciting work. And uh, I'd do that for six hours, and then the next six hours I had to go back over everything I'd pulled and see if any of the, the, the rainbirds aren't working right and, and fix those. That was my summer, um, 12 hours a day, six days a week, watering, watering uh, orange trees. 
So suppose, suppose though in the winter, you know, in December is when you harvest oranges. So suppose I went back to see my old friends at the orange groves, and, I, and as they're harvesting these, I, I said, you know, guys, I grew these oranges. What do you think they'd say? No, I planted these trees. Well, big deal. I weeded around them. I pruned them. I irrigated. They wouldn't say that. They would say, no, nah, we all worked on the orange groves, but only God grows an orange. And that's what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying the issue is not what did Apollos do or what did I do. But the issue is what did God do? That God used each of us. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. That just means they have the same job. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So a real simple lesson here. Spiritual health is focusing on God. Spiritual health, as we're going to see, is marked by faith. So you can be healthy as a Christian, as a day-old Christian. And you can be healthy as a Christian, as a Christian who's been a Christian for 50 years, just as you can be unhealthy. So what's that tell us about spiritual health? Well, let me, let me tell you what it doesn't say. What spiritual health is not, real quickly, and this is free, it's not really in the passage, but um, you're not spiritually healthy because of how long you've been a Christian. You ever met Christians who, yeah, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I must be a healthy Christian, right? I, I heard a story about a teacher. She had taught the same class for 20 years, and yet she kept being passed over for promotions. And finally, the last time, they, they promoted uh, a young teacher to be department head, and so she went to the principal. She says, I don't get it. I have, I have taught longer than any other teacher in the school. I have taught this class for 20 years. She's only been here for five years. And the principal said something very interesting. He says, you have not taught for 20 years. You've just taught for one year 20 times. But what did he mean? He meant that her class had not changed in 20 years. She taught her class the same way the 20th year than she did the first year. She hadn't grown. She hadn't learned. She hadn't developed. And that's why he couldn't promote her to a more responsible position because she was the same teacher today that she was 20 years ago. And the same thing happens to Christians. Look what Hebrews says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid foods. Just like the Corinthians. You haven't gone forward, you've gone backward. We need to go back to the simple things because you just haven't learned them, you haven't believed them. Some of the, the fleshliest, most immature Christians I know are the ones who have been Christians the longest. Have you noticed that? So you're not healthy just because you've been a Christian longer than anybody else. Other people will say, 
Spiritual health is spiritual disciplines. I am spiritually healthy because I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I never miss a Sunday worship. I tithe regularly. And because I am disciplined, therefore, I am healthy. Now, I'm a champion of of spiritual disciplines. I don't believe you can grow without them. But I believe that that, uh, you can have them and not grow. My time with the Lord in, in the morning is survival for me. I've got to meet with him. But if my wife interrupts me and I get mad at her and say, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm meeting with God. <laughs> then I obviously haven't been meeting with God, right? It's easy to mistake spiritual disciplines as a mark of maturity rather than as a means to maturity. And that's what happens uh, to Jesus and his disciples in Mark 2. Let's, let's read this. John's disciples, that's the disciples of John the Baptist, and the Pharisees were fasting. And so we've got friends of Jesus and enemies of Jesus, and they're all fasting because Jews, pious Jews, fasted Mondays and Thursdays. It's just if you were, if you were religious, if you were spiritual, you didn't eat on Mondays and Thursdays. And so there, it's this fast day, and, and, but Jesus' disciples aren't fasting. They're having lunch with Matthew and his friends. So John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came to him and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Get the, get the point? How come your disciples are such an undisciplined lot? Now, is Jesus embarrassed by his disciples? Lack of discipline? Look what he says. Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Jewish weddings were a big deal. In fact, it was law that when you went to a wedding, you had to eat. You had to drink. You had to dance. You had to party. You had to rejoice because it was a time to rejoice. And, and Jesus points out that he says that when the bridegroom is, is with you, you don't fast. And that's the situation of the disciples. The bridegroom of Israel is here. It's not a time to fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them by crucifixion. And then they will fast in that day. What do we learn from this? We say spiritual disciplines, fasting, Study, prayer, meditation, all these things, they're essential. But they're a means, not an end. They're a means to bring me into the presence of Christ and to experience him. And so what Jesus is saying, my disciples don't have to fast to be with the bridegroom because they're with the bridegroom. They don't need to fast. I'm here. Now, someday I'll, I'll go back to heaven and they'll fast then. But the point of fasting is not to just to, to check off, okay, I'm a, I fasted, I'm spiritual, but it's to get me closer to the Lord. Does that make sense? So if my spiritual disciplines are bringing me into Christ's presence every day, they're serving their purpose. I'm healthy spiritually. If I'm just doing them out of guilt or out of pride or just because that's what I do, 
I may not be mature. I may not be, I may not be healthy. So how long you've been a Christian, or how disciplined you are as a Christian, don't necessarily mean you're a healthy Christian, nor to how busy you are as a Christian. A lot of us think that, that if I'm involved in the ministry, if, uh, if I'm serving God, if I'm sharing my faith, if I'm doing all good things, I must be a healthy Christian. Well, look what Jesus says to the church at Ephesus in Revelation. Jesus says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and that you put to death those who call themselves apostles. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. You've not grown weary. This is a great church, isn't it? I mean, they're persevering, they're hardworking, they're diligent, they're really involved in serving God. What could you, what's to complain about? Well, look what Jesus says. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. You love the ministry more than you love me. You've forgotten about me. Even you're doing all these good things. I've been involved in full-time ministry since 1970, which is a long time. And I got to tell you, people involved in ministry are no, long, no different than people who are not involved in ministry. I mean, we're, we're just as messed up as everybody else. We all need a Savior just like everybody else. And so just because somebody is involved in ministry and has pastor in front of their name or missionary or author or, or professor or whatever else it is, they are no different. They're not automatically spiritually healthy. I laugh. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll share with somebody some sin I'm struggling with, and, and they'll say, pastor struggles with that? Yeah. Pastor means nothing. It means nothing. It just we all, we're all made of the same stuff. We all have the same flesh. We all work through that. So if, if spiritual health is not based on how long you've been a Christian, it's not based on how disciplined a Christian life you live, it's not based on how busy you are in serving God, what is it based on? What's the difference between the Corinthians in verses 1 through 4 and Paul in verses 5 through 9? It all has to do with focus. Their focus is horizontal. They're focusing on people. Paul's focus is vertical. He's focusing on God. The vital sign of spiritual health is faith. Do I believe what the Bible teaches about God? And am I living consistent with that belief? That's, that's really what it comes down to. So, the Corinthians, like a lot of Christians today, were hero worshipers. I follow John MacArthur. I follow John Piper. I follow Andy Stanley. I follow a pastor nobody's ever heard of, but he's by far the most spiritual teacher in, in the United States. The healthy believer says, I'm grateful for these servants that God uses, but I am grateful that God ministers to me through them. That's the difference.
you see? The ill believer blames people. They're always mad at people. They're always blaming people. They're always angry. They have a tough time forgiving because they're just focused on people and how people are ruining their lives. The spiritual healthy believer knows that God's in charge. And he works everything together for good to those who love him. And I can forgive people because God is working all this for my benefit because he says he'll work all things together for good to those who love him. That nothing can happen outside of his will. The spiritually ill believer is afraid all the time. They're afraid of crime. They're afraid of disease. They're afraid of the climate. They're afraid of the weather. They're afraid of, of so many things that to them seem bigger than God. The healthy believer knows about all those things, but she knows that God is bigger than all that. Her trust is in God. She does not let her heart be troubled or be afraid because she knows nothing can touch her but what God allows, and he only allows it to accomplish what she most wants to have accomplished in her life. See the difference? Faith is the vital sign of spiritual health. And so you have to ask yourself, am I living by faith in what God says or by faith in what I think? Do I believe what God promises in the scripture and live my life in light of that? Or do I believe more what I feel, what I believe, what I think, what other people say? Which one do I go with? The righteous shall live by Faith. Faith is the vital sign, the one vital sign of spiritual health. That's the difference here. And that's why Jesus praised faith. I've not found such great faith with anyone in Israel and rebuked unbelief. Oh, you men of little faith, how long will I be with you? More often than anything else. How do you grow in faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I come to the Bible, I see what God says about himself. I believe it, and as I believe it, I apply, I live my life as if that's true. Now, you can be spiritually healthy as a one-day-old Christian, or you can be spiritually healthy as a 50-year-old Christian. It all comes down, am I believing what God says about himself? It's just I, I mature as I learn more and more about God to believe in. Maturity is just logging time in spiritual health. Does that make sense? But I could be healthy as a day-old Christian. I'm not mature, but I'm healthy. I could be immature as a 50-year-old Christian because I'm not believing God. Now, let me give you an illustration of this from the, the way Paul illustrates the difference between him who is spiritually healthy and the Corinthians who's spiritually sick, how he approached ministry. And by looking at how he approaches ministry, we can extrapolate that how we approach any area of life. This has been revolutionary for me because I've served God in the energy of my own flesh for a long time, and, and this, these have been great lessons for me of how do I actually serve God by faith? 
What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. What's God's responsibility? To give opportunity, right? If I'm living, if I'm ministering, if I'm serving God by faith, I see opportunity is not something I have to create. It's something God creates, you see? And I've spent so much time planning of how to say the right thing and set up the conversation and, and how to get people together and just do all these things. And my plans never work out. They always fall flat. What I'm learning is I don't have to create opportunities. I just have to recognize the opportunities that God gives. I just have to believe he's been there before I'm there and he's going to be there after I'm gone. All I have to do is be alert for the opportunities God gives and take those opportunities because he's the one who gives the opportunity because my faith is in him, not in me. And so I, what I've realized about the opportunities God gives is I've got to be awake for them because you never know when they're going to come, which means I've got to be available all the time. And I've found that God's opportunities are always inconvenient. The only time the guy in the locker room wants to talk is when I'm in a hurry to get to the pool. The only time my neighbor is outside is when the 49ers are on inside. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And it's like God saying, okay, how, how available are you? But the opportunity, it's just been so freeing to see, rather than, oh God, give me an opportunity, give me an opportunity, it's more, help me to see the opportunities you're giving me. Just be where you are. Not only does God give the opportunity, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. What else does God do? He gives the outcome. You see? God gives the opportunity. God gives the outcome. I don't have to judge. I don't have to worry. I don't have to think, well, that was a failure, or I blew it there. No. My responsibility is between the opportunity and the outcome just to do my best to be faithful in the little job God has given me. So more and more, by faith, I just try to focus on the details and being faithful with the little things and trust God to take care of what, however it's supposed to work and not judge myself because I'm, I'm not the judge anyway. He's the judge. Does that make sense? Really, it comes down to, if you're walking by faith, who's the hero of your life? This, this is low, a, a, a slow ball over the plate, you guys. If I'm walking by faith, who's the hero of my life? God, thank you very much. That's a single. If I'm walking in unbelief, who's the hero of my life? Me. It's all about me. It's all horizontal. And that's the gospel. The gospel is not the good things you must do to earn heaven. The gospel is the great things Christ has done for you to get you into heaven. The Son of God becomes a human being to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He lives the life we fail to live, perfectly obeying God at every point. 
so that God can credit his perfect record of righteousness to all who put their faith in him. So it's just as if we had lived a perfect life. He dies on the cross in our place. He bears God's righteous wrath for all our sins. He becomes sin for us so that we become the righteousness of God in him as we put our faith in him, all our sins are forgiven. God says, I will remember your sins no more. I've made you perfect forever through this one offering. And then he rises from the dead in a brand new body as the first member of a brand new humanity which lives forever in the presence of God and our restored earth so that all who put their faith in him may join him in that new future. And a Christian is a person who simply believes that, puts their faith. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. So if you're not a Christian, you become a Christian by faith by faith of what Christ has done. And if you're a Christian, you grow by continuing to put your faith in Christ in the same way. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The way you became a Christian is the way you grow as a Christian, the way you stay healthy as a Christian, by putting your faith in Christ. So are you spiritually healthy? Are you spiritually sick? It comes down to faith. Who is my faith in? Is my faith in myself or is my faith in Christ? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your instruction from your word and how we need it. I pray that you'll help us to, to develop in faith, to trust you more than we trust ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name.